But from your advertisement, uh, your ads, wherever you're posting, I like to obviously not do like crazy long sentences, but just keep it short and sweet to bullet points of, of the, um, you know, property, you know, what it has um, and just leave it fairly objective. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey guys, it's Sarah Larby here. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And I thought I would do a solo episode today about screening and finding tenants. And uh, again, as there is less and less inventory and there is more and more demand, uh, really, ultimately, the nice thing about this, I think, for many parts of Canada, including Ontario, where a lot of my properties are, we have the opportunity to be selective. But we also need to be selective because otherwise we may be nine to 12 months without, a ten, you know, until the board and the courts can even hear a case should a bad tenant come through. So it's going to be very important to screen. That is where we have I think a little bit more control uh, in areas where they're more geared towards uh, tenant-friendly provinces. So um, it just leaves us no choice to just ensure that we are extra diligent and uh, we don't give the keys to the first person. Um, and I'll tell you, I've been doing this for 10 years. And even if you do all the screening, it doesn't mean that nobody's going to fall through the cracks. There's always that opportunity and that potential. But this will definitely eliminate a lot of the uh, quote-unquote professional tenants that are looking to abuse and use the system uh, against us. So before we go through the screening tips and tools, and again, everybody's going to have their own way to do this. I'm not saying that my way is the be-all and end-all. There's lots of things you can add to this, and this is essentially just going to be, you know, a quick overview. Um, if you do want more insights, I do have a course that I offer on the five steps of screening tenants. Uh, you can go to sarahlarby.com and search for that. But before we do that, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom at Streetwise Mortgages on what is new, what is important in the financing world. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Today, I would like to share with you a lender update that you will benefit from as a real estate investor, especially during these times where interest rates are higher. HSBC is one of Canada's largest banks and is now a player in the mortgage broker channel and is an available lender to a few select brokers, including streetwise mortgages. As a lender, HSBC is worth taking note of as a real estate investor for many reasons. Number one, they are investor friendly. They actually offer rentals in a holding company and the new lines of credits on rental properties. Number two, they are okay with investors who have larger portfolios up to 12 properties, and they will finance up to five properties for you. Number three, they use what's called an 80% rental outback, meaning they will take 80% of the rental income on your rental properties and add it as income on your mortgage application. This obviously helps your deal from a number standpoint and helps with qualification. Several lenders on the street today take 50% of the rental income. So HSBC takes 80%. Number four, 
If you have a secured line of credit with another financial institution, they will only factor the balance on that line of credit and not the limit. This is actually a big one. Several lenders on the street um, will take the line of credit limit. Let's say you have a line of credit for $200,000, a secured line of credit, and you only used $50,000 of that secured line of credit. Some lenders on the street will assume that you have used that entire $200,000 and they will factor a payment at higher rates and shorter amortizations to account for on the mortgage application where HSBC will only take into consideration what you have actually used. This is a big one as it can quickly eat into the numbers on a mortgage application. Number five, HFBC is known to be one of the lowest rate players on the market. They are offering great rates on both primary residences and rental properties. So depending on the rate you currently have, this can lower your monthly payment and can also save you on your annual interest payments. And lastly, HFBC's variable rate product is a product where your monthly payment stays stable. It stays fixed as prime changes. And when prime goes up, more of that payment goes towards interest versus principal where the payment stays stable. So this will give you the peace of mind that your payment will stay stable for quite some time. And if prime goes down, in 2024, which is what the market foresees happening in 2024, you will benefit from the rate reductions at that point. Right now, HSBC is also offering a cash back bonus up to $5,000 for clients who are looking to switch their mortgages from other financial institutions, whether it's a rental property or a primary residence. As long as the mortgage application goes into the system, by February 24 of 2023, and the deal closes within 120 days. So if you're looking to explore better options, better rate options to save or to reduce cash flow pressures, whether it's on your primary residence or a rental, uh, and you're looking to position yourselves to benefit from future rate reductions, but also have that peace of mind that your payments are not going to go up, then HSBC may be a great option for you right now. In order to explore this option and to discuss the suitability, uh, book a short discovery call with one of our senior advisors at Streetwise Mortgages by emailing us at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to our website at streetwisemortgages.com and contact us. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much to Streetwise Mortgages and Dahlia Barsoom. They've been instrumental in helping me scale my portfolio and in times of uncertainty, also look at uh, your current portfolio and where you can uh, increase cash flow, mitigate some of the downsides along the way. So reach out to them. Uh, they are super helpful. So here are my five steps to tenant screening uh, and tenant finding. And I do take uh, quite a while to go through this process because I, for me, it's just important to have uh, the right tenant and also 
you know, one of the things that I learned along the way is even if everything here matches, if you've got a tenant that's not as marketable, for example, maybe they have, you know, lots of pets or whatnot, um, they may uh, be harder if you have to sell or you've got to, you know, do something with the property. It may be harder to have them find something in the future. So you got to keep that in mind, I think, now, especially with the the way that things are going, uh, where we have even less and less inventory out there from a rental standpoint and the rents have skyrocketed. So the first step is going to be advertising and posting. The second step is phone screening. I like to have a conversation with them before any showings. Third step is in-person showings. The fourth step is the application process and the review. Uh, and this is where you're going to be the detective. And then the fifth step, I like to do a final interview. So again, you'll have your internal criteria. You have to still be careful that you, you know, don't get yourself in trouble for, you know, quote unquote, discriminating against any protected classes. So uh, keep in mind, if you do, uh, you know, decide that you're not going to go with a certain applicant, uh, best to just not give them a reason why and just let them know that you're still searching and you're still taking applications and you'll let them know. And then, you know, should they not be the candidates that you have gone with another uh, candidate and just leave it at that. Don't get yourself in trouble. And there is no need to necessarily mention the reason why. It will just give you a disadvantage, I think, ultimately where you can get in trouble. Um, so uh, let's talk about step one. Um, you know, there's lots of ways so that's advertising and posting. Um, so where can you advertise and where can you post? Uh, Kijiji uh, has been a main one for us uh, in Canada for many, many markets. Um, and I like it because you can still remain fairly anonymous on it as well. There's Facebook Marketplace. There is rentals.com. You can post uh, with an agent on the MLS system. Uh, you can hire a property manager to do the tenant placement. Some property managers offer that service. Um, you could work with a realtor, like I mentioned. Um, they could put it on MLS, but sometimes too, they might be helping somebody that just sold their house. Maybe they're going through a divorce or something and then like they're, they're not renting. Um, and I've had some great tenants, uh, through that as well as just contacting my local realtors. Um, Potentially a paralegal may be able to do the screening for you. Some of them do offer that service. Um, and you can always, you know, ask other local um, landlords as well. Like maybe if they're listing their place and they have a couple of good applicants um, or perhaps uh, other good tenants that you really like. Maybe they have some people that they would know and they would recommend. Again, you still have to screen them all the same. Um, but those are all the different ways that you could potentially advertise your property. So, you know, from your advertisement, uh, your ads, wherever you're posting, I like to obviously not do like crazy long sentences, but just keep it short and sweet to bullet points of, of the, um, you know, property, you know, what it has um, and just leave it fairly objective. Um, careful with putting anything about, you know, it's ideal for a family with kids or anything like that, because you don't want to be pigeonholing yourself into anything so you actually have to leave that open um but just be very very like concise in what the property has um how much rent uh what's included in the rents if it's plus utilities etc um all that stuff so but the important part of this step is that you want to create or you want to ask some specific questions it could be anywhere i usually choose between three and five questions and I put that at the at the end of the ad 
Um, and it's something along the lines of like question number one, for example, would be like, please provide your name and your contact number where you can be reached. Um, number two could be something like, please tell me a little bit more about you slash your family. Um, number three, please indicate if you have any pets or type of pets. Number four, please describe your current relationship with your landlord if it's applicable. Number five, uh, please indicate your reason for moving. I like to do this because it allows me to screen or screen out based on the answers and what I'm looking for. But I also like to know if they can take any direction. And if they can't take direction and all they're going to be doing is saying, hey, is this place still available? Well, they clearly probably are not going to take direction from you when they are moving into your property. So this gives me a good insight as well um, if they're very forthcoming and they're giving me the answers and if the answers also make sense. Um, and you know, question number three that I mentioned, like, please indicate if you have any pets and types of pets. Uh, provinces such as Ontario, like pets are essentially a non-issue. You can't really do anything about it. If you've got a tenant that brings a pet, you know, after the fact as an example or, or you know, adopts a cat or whatever it is, you can't really do anything. So I usually welcome the pets and I leave it open. Um, and I just usually do like pets welcome as as one of the bullet points as well. Um, but I want to know why they're moving. I want to know what the current relationship was with the landlord. And I want to know if they're able to say and are comfortable writing it and are comfortable taking, uh, you know, the time to actually fill out these questions. And many of them that are looking for an easy landlord to just hand over the keys um, and those tenants that may not have uh, the best motives, you know, probably will not take the time to fill these questions out fully. Um, the other thing I would just add for your ads and your advertisement, again, this is a long course that I've, I've done, so I'm kind of just giving you guys the quick, you know, a few bullet points here and there. Um, a couple things that you do want to add is like somewhere along there in, you know, bold or capitals, like if this ad is still up, then it is still available because then otherwise you're going to get all of these people asking, hey, is this still available? Hey, is this still available? And it's just going to be really annoying. So I would just say if you are reading this right now, the property or the unit or the house is currently available um, and then that's it then you'll avoid all of those is it available questions so a couple extra things I do like to add to my description is that something along the lines is I'll be completing a thorough background check credit check proof of income uh, past current landlord references etc cetera, etc cetera. usually it will defer um, and you know a lot of people that are trying to mess up with the system and not pay or not the greatest tenants will probably not bother applying or even answering. Um, so there's, you know, some things that you could talk about your thoroughness uh, on what you're going to be doing. Uh, first and last is going to be required. You're going to be doing credit uh, checks and, and uh, reference checks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right. So uh, that is step one. Step two uh, if the ones that answered the questions answer them um, in a way that I'm like, okay, you know, like these could be great tenants, um, I'll narrow them down. Um, and then I will do a phone screening and I'll have an initial conversation with them. So usually that's like a 10 minute call. I like to call them myself. So this is why question number one from the ad is, you know, your name and your phone number. What's the best way to reach you? I do want to have that conversation, A, to see if, um, you know, the, questions and the answers match what we uh, have as a conversation. But um, also it, it'll, you know, I'll tell you these tenants could be with you for five years, 10 years, a long time. So hopefully the communication is easy. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you'll be surprised too sometimes when you get uh, people on the phone and maybe they're not, you know, who you were hoping uh, to get. And there's your answer. Um, so here's how I like to do my phone conversations. Um, I really do want to make it as, uh, in a way, as informal as possible where I'll, you know, introduce myself and uh, just confirm that this is a good time to talk. Uh, I reference the property that they responded to because sometimes they're, you know, applying and, and researching and reached out to many, many different properties just to make sure that they remember which one. Um, and then it obviously, like usually my first question, just so that we don't sound like we're interrogating, um, is if they, they have any specific questions about the property itself. Um, and so I'll, I'll provide some some insights on that if they do. Uh, and then usually I like to share a little bit more about the property. Here are the features. Um, it's important to give first before you start asking a lot of questions. And usually that's a good conversation uh, with a back and forth from you and your prospective tenant. And keep in mind, the good ones are great clients. Uh, you know, like they they can help you uh, with your goals, your real estate goals, and the bad ones can make it and destroy it. So um, but there are great, great tenants out there. So um, after that, though, um, after we have that initial conversation on the phone, uh, still on the phone, I, I like to ask them if I can ask them a few questions. Um, you know, certain things that I like to add um, or ask, you know, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, why are you looking to move? What's your ideal move-in date? Uh, where are you currently living? Are you familiar with this particular neighborhood? How long would you plan on living in the home? Do you have any pets? Like some of the questions will repeat itself just to make sure that they do match. Um, are there any smokers in the household? Describe your current relationship with your landlord. Um, tell me what you're currently, you know, what you currently do when you're late uh, on rents. Um, how have you currently or in the past handled maintenance or repair issues with your landlord? I mean, you can ask whatever questions that you want. Just keep it like a conversation. Um, you know, if they tell you something that you're not super um, delighted with or impressed with and you're like, oh, this is a deal breaker, don't tell them it's a deal breaker. Um, you know, I would just, you know, at that point in time, just let them know that you'll you'll confirm uh, with them when the property is available to be rented. And then you just don't necessarily have to call them back. But I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, crap. OK, well, you said you had pets. Sorry, we're not interested. Um I wouldn't give them any reasons, just make it, you know, conversation, make it positive, uh, and you can make your decision uh, separately aside from that. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey U.S. real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca, for more information. And now, back to the show. And then, you know, after that, um, so what I would just suggest that you say is you reemphasize the thoroughness of the application process, um, that you will be completing the background, the credit checks, the landlord checks, the proof of income checks, um, proof of rent payment throughout the pandemic. You can choose a couple months as well. And I usually ask them if they have any concerns with this. And sometimes they will tell you they're in the board or they're being evicted or their landlord may not say the greatest things. Also red flags. Um, and especially, unfortunately, because the fact is, if we have um, if we take a risk, we are we are unfortunately the ones that are going to be really screwed. So 
I don't take any more risks that I maybe would have in the past because the board is so far behind uh, that it may take you months without, you know, payment of rent or if, you know, you pick the wrong tenant. So I'm just very strict. I probably got more strict as uh, the years went on, as the rules became less and less in our favor and as the landlord, um, you know, tenant board became more and more delayed. I, you know, I think this is the part where we have to be very, very, very diligent. So any red flags that you get from this conversation, like, again, just trust your gut. Um, no sob stories, unfortunately, but you've got to just do what's right for your property. And we're not in the business, unfortunately, to provide free housing. And, you know, again, like I'm not saying that we're only for profit. Of course, we want to provide, you know, nice places for people to to stay and have good relationships. But we, we have to still protect ourselves um, in this market, in, an, in a rent controlled market, in a market where it's pro tenants. Um, again, if you're in a different area, you're in the U.S. and somebody doesn't pay and it takes you just a couple months to get them out. It's a whole different story. But I'm going to talk about a lot of people, I think, listening to this. Uh, are in a situation where we're purchasing properties and we're renting them in a very pro-tenant area circumstance or neighborhood or, or province, etc. Anyway, so um, if you like them, um, then you, at that point in time, you would book the showing. Um, if you don't, just keep in mind, don't give them a reason. Just mention that you're going to be uh, following back up. I do also like to um, hide my number when I call. Uh, and I'll provide them with an email that I create based on, uh, you know, some initials and whatnot, just because I don't necessarily want them um, being able to contact me. I want to keep that in my, um, you know, my, I guess, control for for the time being until the next step. Um, so if you do like them, let them know uh, when to meet you. I usually like to have, um, so if I'm going to do it myself, um, I haven't, you know, done that for a while just because I've I've had um, my team, you know, in local areas do this part for me. But, um, you know, I still um, suggest that if you're if you're newer, go and, and meet them in person, um, you know, rather than, uh, you know, your realtor or whatnot. I used to have my realtor do this for me. She's awesome. Um, but, um, you know, were they on time? Were they prepared? How was the communication? What's their car look like? Um, is the story still in line with prior calls uh, as well? Um, and this is someone that you might be communicating with for a long time. So again, how's, you know, like, how do you feel having that uh, tenant in your property for many, many years to come? Very likely. Look, if you don't like them, again, everybody in, is entitled to an application. Um, so you do have to give them an application. Again, you can take as many applications in as you can, um, you know, if you if you don't like them. Um, everybody that's over 18 should have an application. Um, you still have to give it to them regardless. Um, and then just give them an email to submit the uh, data to and their, their filled out application. I like to also give them like two to three pages of additional questions to fill out with the application. Um, so if you, um, if you do like them, like sometimes I'll have like 10 you know, 10, 15 people come through. I'll pick like my top two and I'll start theirs first only because I don't want to pull everyone's credit and dig everyone's credit. I'd rather, and and it's also a lot of time. So I'll pick like my top two applicants and I'll start um, doing the process that way. Um, so definitely make sure that you have the applications. I mean, you can always email them separately. 
but that it's filled out in full um, so that you can do your due diligence. Uh, step number four is the actual application process. So um, this is where you're going to review that everything has been submitted, is complete. Um, they've also filled out the additional questionnaire that you've added, um, that you've got copies of, you know, the driver's licenses, proof of income. Um, if you select a few months to prove that they've paid to their prior landlord, because a lot of tenants decided that, you know, maybe in, in the pandemic, they didn't have to pay. Um, or, you know, I would just, I would just ask for a certain, um, few months of proof of, you know, e-transfer or direct deposit or whatever that looks like in terms of payments. Um, so read all of that, gather all that, make sure you've got everything. Um, and then check the, you know, again, not in any specific order, and this is not the be all and end all. I'm sure there's lots of other ways and additional things that you can do, but, you know, checking income and verifying income is a big one. Um, credit checks, uh, a big one. Um, Canly, it's C-A-N-L-I-I, gives you all the cases. Um, so just type their name in Canly and just see, make sure that nothing has necessarily come up. Um, front lobby is a great way to uh, also do the check. Uh, they used to be called uh, Landlord Credit Bureau, um, but they're great as well. So you could do checks on that. Um, verify proof of rent payments with a prior landlord. So maybe just, again, choose some random months and just ask for proof of that. Social media checks, right? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google, all that stuff. Um, but also go into all the tenant landlord groups and just search to see if they've commented or they're in those groups. Because there's a lot of groups that are very pro-tenant. Uh, and some of them, you know, maybe they've they've responded and, and potentially um, you've got a, a case of a professional, um, which is not a good thing when I say professional landlord or a professional tenant. Um, but I also do all those checks in all those Facebook groups. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you looking for a reliable contractor for your next Burr multifamily conversion or flip project? Somebody who understands how to work with investors and also real estate investing itself. I've personally partnered with Lee Polak from Wise Construction. We're actively doing many projects together in Hamilton and Wellen. So things like smaller three and four unit conversions and also some larger buildings where we're converting some large empty commercial spaces into residential units. And it's always been important to meet a partner and hire a contractor who does not only high quality work, but is on time and on budget. And it's also a huge bonus that they have their own in-house trades, employees and a warehouse full of building materials so that they can avoid the many labor and material shortages that we hear about often these days. A good project done on time, on budget and with high quality work will be key to the success of your Burr multifamily conversion or flip projects. So to connect with Lee from Wise Construction, text or phone him at 416-525-5951. Again, that is 416-525-5951. And now back to the show. Um, also check uh, and call past landlords, have that phone discussion. I will tell you I've had many tenants and I'm always very surprised when they leave um, the lack of phone calls I get from prior landlords or uh, their future uh, landlords, I should say. Um, but yes, definitely call, have questions ready. Um, if they have any professional references that they've submitted, call those as well. Um, I usually call the current landlord last, um, A, because 
regardless if they're good or bad. I don't know if the current landlord, well, especially if they're bad, I don't think the current landlord is going to give me the truth because they're probably going to want them out um, if they're not the ideal tenants. Um, but the prior landlord to that usually has no reason to lie at that point in time. So I put a lot of emphasis on that uh, reference with the prior landlord. Um, and again, there's lots of other things that you can do. Um, so if all those checks passed um, and you're happy with all the results and all the screening that you've done, um, you can let them know that you've completed their application and set up a final interview with them before signing. It's usually what I like to do. Um, and so what I'll do at that point in time, you can do it on Zoom. You can do it in person if you want. You can do it at their place to see what, how they live, um, whatever makes sense for you and them. Um, and then at that point in time, I would just verify the IDs so that, you know, if they sent it to you uh, via email, just make sure that you see everything in person as well. Um, match the addresses up, all that stuff. Um, I also tell them about the signing process and expectations uh, on being a prospective tenant. Um, I talk about the lease and the lease addendum. I've had uh, some paralegals put together some great lease addendums for me that I use with the tenants because that standard lease that they make us use is definitely very, you know, very bare. Um, and I'm not saying that these, clause, these clauses are all part of the RTA. They're, they're all legit. Um, if they're not, the RTA takes precedence anyways, um, but they are. Um, however, it's good to have all your you know, eyes dotted and your T's crossed. So there's about 20 pages of an addendum. Um, you know, definitely reach out to a paralegal to get that as well. Um, so I talked to them about that. I talked to them about, um, so I always do month-to-month -month tenancies. Um, a, it avoids locking either of us in for 12 months. Uh, so we talk about that as well. We talk about the process for rent increases, how it's going to be done every single year. So there's no surprises. And by the way, if you are in a non-rent controlled unit, you should also mention that. So there's no surprises when you rent increase um, in a year from now back up to market. So, um, you know, when we talk about the T1 or the T2 process and also how you handle late payments and just be very professional so that when they're getting an N4 as an example for late payments, that they're not surprised. If they're getting an L1 for a rent increase, again, they're not surprised. They're getting an L2, which is another rent increase for non-controlled rent units. Um, they're not surprised. So just establish that um, ahead of time. It's going to be a lot easier down the road. Um, and then if you need additional documentation, have them bring it to them or bring it with them at that point in time. Um, and also you could talk about the utility companies that need to be set up. And also very importantly, um, make sure that they have content and liability insurance. And you are going to want proof of that before they move in. Um, very, very important to cover yourself and also uh, their stuff. Should there be a fire or flood, their furniture is not covered under our landlord insurance. So it is important that they have their own, but also very important for them to have their liability insurance. So if they are liable for something, that goes after their insurance and not yours. Um, so again, keep in mind, like this is where we have the most amount of control. So don't rush finding the right tenants there there's a ton of tenants out there there's a ton of tenants and especially with the rates having gone so much higher people are going to rent for longer the rents have gone up uh, dramatically in most parts of canada um, and likely we're going to see that again for the next couple of years uh, the issue we have right now is because we're in a rent controlled environment we also don't want to be having a tenant that's going to be there for five years or ten years which is the dilemma um, because there's just not enough 
supply and there's a lot of demand. But the more, unfortunately, the more, you know, control the government tries to implement on us, we're just going to go and we're going to go into a different market or we're going to take our money and we're going to sell uh, and we're going to go into a, a more balanced market where, you know, landlords and tenants both have rights. So, you know, I think I see a little bit of that happening as well, where people are getting out and they're selling their, you know, for example, their properties in Ontario, and it's actually depleting uh, the rental market even more. It is a big problem. This is why we're in this problem. This is why rents have, you know, doubled, potentially tripled, um, you know, in, in not that not that many years. Um, and unfortunately, you know, instead of providing opportunities for landlords to work together uh, with the government, they're trying to make it more and more difficult. And uh, unfortunately, what's going to happen is people are just going to be a more selective on who they bring into their units to rents. Um, but B, at some point, they might be looking elsewhere or, you know, it might be um, just selling and, and, you know, investing in different markets down the road. So hopefully that's not the case because I, I still think Ontario is a great place to invest. Um, but, you know, this is I don't know if anyone's from the government's listening, but, uh, you know, my message would be to to work with us. And I think by then, uh, if we can do that, then, you know, why why not buy more properties and rent them out to great tenants. And that's what we want to do. But the more, I guess, red tape uh, around all of that stuff, the the less chance of that happening will be. But anyways, that's a, a side conversation for a whole other day. Um, and then finally, when you do sign the lease, so after those five steps, uh, should they pass all of those? Um, you would sign the lease, you would set up a meeting, sign the lease um, and the lease addendum. Um, give them a move-in checklist and inspection. You'll pick that up in about a week after they move in so that they can tell you if there's anything that's deficient. You can take lots of pictures. Um, you know, and then and then you're essentially moving to the management part, or you can hire that piece out. Um, and, and I'll tell you, communication is key. Uh, everyone's gonna have their different criteria on the you know, their ideal tenant type um or their ideal tenant. Um, and so just, you know, be careful be diligent. I've had some great, great tenants. I've also had some tenants that, you know, in the past I've, I've made exceptions for, and I'll tell you the majority of the time it has not worked out. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, unfortunately we as investors, as landlords have to be even more cautious on this step because this is going to be our main piece where we have the control. Anyways, on that note, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast on screening and finding amazing tenants. I will say I have some tenants that are absolutely amazing. Um, they literally, you know, a something like I have one tenant that like his house looks like it's from a magazine uh, and he's like done. Like that house is worth even more <laughs> with him in there uh, than it was when he took it over um, as an example. But like, look, I'm not saying this to scare you, but there are there are amazing tenants out there. But if you get stuck with the bad ones, you are looking at many months uh, before you can do anything about it, unfortunately. So on that note, guys, landlords, investors, really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. And we do have this course in more detail on my website, sarahlarby.com. And if you are also interested in joining us for an entire year of support and help and education, check out the REI Academy. Uh, that is going on right now and it is absolutely amazing. So if you want to join our network for the REI Academy, send me a message or check out the website as well. On that note, guys, see you next week. 
Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.